Today's episode of Tales of the Void Fair is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo, like the one you'll hear later. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to tell them those cool nerds from Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. We have a current archaeological dig. I believe you would get along quite well with the dig leader, Diago Vasco. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to meeting him. In helping with Diago's current endeavors, um, if you will actually also deliver a object. Of course. A ancient-looking circular amulet with intricate little scrawlings. It's a git, but you know it's not a git Yankee. It's a Gizerai. You see Ezerath, the Gizerai. You said that you were sent here by your people. I mean, what did they want you to do here? This crystal sphere has been a blank spot, and it is of great interest to us to piece together that part of our cultural history. All right. Marco closes his book. This is way more interesting. I should really write these out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tales of the Voidfarer. Um, If you're confused that we were not out last week, it's because we updated our release schedule. Really small adjustment. Instead of every other Tuesday will be the first and third Tuesdays, which meant we got an extra Tuesday off last month. But now we're back. And on top of that, it is our one year anniversary episode. Yay. Happy birthday. We made it. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) What's the traditional first anniversary gift? I don't know. Bourbon? We're supposed to eat the cake, I know. Oh, the cake right. that we all had. Sure. Yeah, we're supposed to eat the top tier of it. Do we uh, have to? Yeah. So I hope you all like cake, because I don't like cake that much. So you're all going to have to carry I, the load. Hell yeah. I, I, I missed the memo. I did not bring cake. Also, we are recording this from four different cities. <laughs> well, then why have I been taking up all my freezer space with this cake for the last year? I don't know, Fiona. <laughs> I don't know your life. I guess you and Tom get the cake. I would have thought you would have thought ahead to sort out the logistics of sending each of us a bit of the cake. Yeah, that was really yeah, rude yeah. of you, Fiona. Yeah, why, like you, you got halfway there. You were so close. I have party hats and like soda and stuff. Whoa. I was all ready for you guys to come over. Oh, shit. Disappointed. I, I got a bit of a drive for that one in the middle of COVID. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's like eight hours for Tanner. But it would have been Yikes. worth it for some generic soda and some year old oh, cake. <laughs> year old cake. Right. 
Well, I know there's one thing we can do at least to celebrate, and that's continuing to play this D&D campaign. Hell yeah. So, when last we left our heroes, you had just arrived at Storm's Eye, this archaeological dig site on the moon, the Vizier, which is located deep within this swirling, perpetual, necromantic storm. And there are some, through some magical nature of this location, uh, is an oasis against the blowing wind and sand of the storm. You've been riding on the storm rig called the Dust Cleaver, a mechanical creation of the Leadfoot Gnomes, and they have informed you that it'll be about four or five hours until they can get the alchemical cores swapped out on this vehicle so that they can reach your ultimate destination, which is the Moonhammer Mining Company mine, located further in the storm. And you guys last decided to head to the uh, dig master of this archaeological site, since Marco is delivering him an item, a man by the name of Diego Vasco. And uh, that is where we return to the story. You guys have just left the Leadfoot pit stop and are weaving your way through this tent city of seeker archaeologists as they're doing their work. You see there's like a canteen type deal set up not far from the pit stop off of the central thoroughfare. There's mismatched tables and chairs set up under this large sail canvas awning. And there's an adjacent tent that seems to be serving food and drink. You see some archaeologists that seem to be off-duty in there enjoying some food and drink. One in particular catches your eye as you walk down the path. A female gif in a, uh, still in like a military-esque uniform, but it is one for like definitely more exploration. Uh, and she has a super wide brim like sun hat. Um, but she seems to be minding her own business, eating what looks like two whole chickens. <laughs> nice. Uh, over or... in the canteen. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and as you continue walking, you see that there's uh, other tents. There's, uh, you know, with various uh, bits of pottery set out um, where they're cataloging and stuff, uh, different tents storing equipment and tents that seem to be lodgings for all of the dig workers here. And you are, you know, you're on your way to the, a large tent that sits itself on the edge of the dig site proper. Um, which, if you recall, is this actual, like, excavated area uh, that takes up a solid third of this circular break in the storm. Marco, you're leading the way. All right. Um, yeah, so Marco's on a mission right now. He's heading straight for uh, Diego Vasco's tent. Opening up, seeing if he sees anyone that might even match that name's description. Yeah. Um, when you, you get to the... It's a, it's a large enclosed tent, um, with a canvas flap over the entryway. And as you approach, the, tap, the flap flies open and a figure comes storming out. And it's a figure you recognize. Uh, it is Ezerath. And she does not look like she is in a good mood. Um, she almost oh. like runs into you guys coming out of the tent. <laughs> Ravenous Ex is going to like eye her a little bit. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Uh, pardon me. Marco's like tries to slide faster. Uh, she she looks at you all and says, hm, "Maybe you can talk some sense into that fool." And she blows past you guys, heading back into the tent city of the dig site. Marco is at least after like as Arrest starts walking away, look back to Luckbeak and Ravness and just be like, "What in the hell could that have been about?" Azarath got business with this guy too. We could always follow her and find out. I just kind of I look from 
Marco to to Ravnus, and I can tell which one is going to be more fun for me. And I go, uh, yeah, yeah, we should follow her. Find out why she was on our ship. That ain't a bad idea. I'm going to at least find out from the other end what's going on. We can uh, we can meet back up later. All right. All right. Let's, Best let's of luck go. to you. If you absolutely need me, you know, scream. There's it's not a lot of places around here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's fine. Just anything in specific or just... Uh... Whatever you think will get my attention. Okay. All right. There's no code word. It's just scream and flail sure. your arms wildly. I'll, I'll yell... Team America. Uh, I'll yell Dewey Decimal System or some shit. I, I'll, I'll yell something to get your attention, Marco. Oh, shit. All right. Well. Dewey Decimal System. I said get my attention. Don't talk dirty to me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak, you're going to, instead of following Marco into the tent, follow... Ezra? Yeah. Yeah. But real sneaky like. Real Real sneaky like. Well, why don't you both roll me stealth checks then? And while you do that, we will follow Marco into the tent. All right. I think I have this at disadvantage, so sorry. (laughs) Shink, 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 shink. Um, Okay. Marco, you push your way into the tent past the flap that is still swinging a little bit from when Ezerath came out. And do you see a uh, like a large square room that seems to be set up kind of like like an office and study? There's equipment off to the corners and edges, and there is uh, a makeshift desk set up in the middle. A little more than, you know, a couple planks across um, some stacked crates. And behind it, you see a handsome looking man, probably in his late. 30s, tan skin, dark hair, you know, wearing simple, uh, kind of dusty, dirty adventures type clothes, sitting, kind of rubbing his temple slightly before going back to his parchment and quill that he seemed to have been writing in when he was interrupted some time ago. Uh, and he noticed you come in and he goes, oh, hello, um, can I help you? Oh, um, hello there. I'm assuming that you're Dia- uh, Diego Vasco. Yes, Diego Vasco. I am the dig leader here. Uh, pleasure to meet you. I'm Marco Astorio. I represent the Seekers, and I've um, been instructed to bring you an amulet for your dig. Oh, yes. Marco Astorio. Yes. They did tell me you would be arriving. And he rolls backwards and out from around his desk. And you see he's actually in a wheelchair. Oh. And he, he rolls his chair around his desk. And you see it's sturdily built, has angled wheels on it. And uh, you see he's strapped into it. And he goes, perfect. Uh, so... You have the amulet then? Oh, of course. He takes it from you and uh, pulls out like a little magnifying glass type thing to examine and goes, yes, yes, just as I thought, it does resemble the markings of the seal below. I think this is exactly what we need. Oh, fantastic. Um, You don't mind me asking, I mean, I've done my fair share of archaeology in my day. Um, What exactly are you excavating here? Well, um, it appears that this was a Cretorian village. Um... Many, many thousands of years ago, we are uncovering uh, the surface areas of the town. And um, as we were excavating deeper, we came to a, a, an interesting location, one with uh, markings that were not Cratorian, And in fact, markings that match this medallion, which I remembered seeing cataloged back at the Enclave on the Deer Anchorage. I happen to be something of a Cratorian scholar. Um, do you mind if I take a look at it myself? Of course. Uh, in fact, um, I'm going to have my best people take a look at this amulet to verify that it is what we need. When it's done, I can take you to that location. Oh, well, be more than happy to. Yes. Um, 
anything and everything that I can do to help. This seems to be quite a fascinating uh, little task that you're doing here. Yes, uh, we're we're really gonna make some breakthroughs. I can I can really feel it. Uh, and uh, and yeah, any any insight that you can provide would be much appreciated. In in fact, uh, we're hard at work cataloging um, lots of Kratorian artifacts that we have uncovered. We have our archivist Kolo Imala, who is going over various items and artifacts that we have recovered from the Kratorian age. We have our anthropologist Colette Lightbloom, who is studying some of the humanoid remains that we've found. And uh, geologist Iban has been studying the ground layers and uh, signs of activities that have been implanted in the various dirt and rock beneath the settlement. You'll find them at their respective tents. I'm sure they can tell you more about what they're working on, but any insight that you could provide uh, would greatly help out myself and all of us. Oh, of course. Um, let me ask you this. I've been actually kind of curious since I've gotten on this planet. Um, Storm's Eye, does it move at all, or does this storm stay stationary and this remained a calm in the storm, so to speak? Uh, yes, uh, it, it stays uh, perfectly stationary, and it appears that the the edge of the storm lines perfectly with the edge of the large circular geoglyph uh, that this site um, seems to present. So, might be safe to say, actually, that this might have something to do with the storm that's going on outside, especially with the Kratorian undead that I've been running into since we've left Dorm's Edge. Yes, it's possible. The storm itself isn't directly the subject of our study, but it definitely stands to reason that it could be linked with whatever we find below. Granted, it appears that this village was relatively small as far as Kratorian settlements go. We do know for a fact there were some larger ones here, although not a whole lot remains of them. It's only this location, though, that seems to break through the storm like it does. Um, Nick, do you mind if I make a history check just to see if I can glean any insight from some of the information that he's given me? Sure. All right. That is a 21. Okay. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, your, your research into the Kratorian Empire is still relatively new. You do know that uh, they had powerful magic. Doing something like poking a hole through a storm would be trivial, especially since you were talking to Fival about the Kratorians potentially causing the storm. So that would be simple however if the Kratorians caused the storm what would be their reasoning in creating a place shielded from it okay you're not you're not entirely convinced this the space in the storm storm's eye itself is created by the same people who would have potentially created the storm there's a lot of variables you're not sure okay but that then i'm gonna say to uh diego so well, I mean, Diego, this is your dig. I don't want to impugn on anything or to step on any toes with any of your people. Um, is there anything in particular you would like me to look into while I'm here? Well, any insight that you um, feel comfortable uh, or feel like you could provide, um, we would be happy to have it. I, I understand, um, based on the word I received from the Enclave, that uh, you're only passing through. So I know your time is limited, but um, any help that you could provide would be appreciated. Well, a lot of my research into the Kratorian people has been mainly on Kratorian language and Kratorian history. So I haven't actually done a lot of digging and actual archaeology into the place. So I think mine would be much more useful um, in anything that requires any sort of translation. Oh, yes. Um, we have found some items that uh, um, of uh, Kratorian script that we have not yet been able to translate. 
some bits of Kratorian script. I, I believe that uh, Archivist Colo has some items uh, over there that could use some translating. Oh, that reminds me. I'm so sorry. Um, it slipped my mind, and I, I dig through my uh, bag for the book from that Roddix gave me and uh, put it on the table as well. Oh, what is this? Oh, it's um a book of translations works on a, a fellow scholar and friend of mine named Roddix. Um, it oh. should be able to help out a lot with that. Perfect. Um, he he takes it and goes. I think this would definitely help us out in the future. Um, but uh, like I said, uh, if you're willing to help translate those things, that might be a little faster while you're here. Um, but this will definitely help us after you leave. Of course. Um. All right. So which tent am I heading to again? I'm so sorry. It would be uh the archivist tent. Um, and he'll give you directions to it. Uh, it's it's one of the the larger uh, like kind of central hub tents um, nestled amongst all of the other smaller sleeping and storage tents. All right. So um, uh, Marco is going to say, all right. And um, who would I talk to to let them know that I was sent here by you? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, he'll he'll take out a small piece of paper and he'll just basically write a note and sign it and says, if anybody gives you a hard time, you can show them this. Um, it's. Basically, veri- me verifying that you are a member of the Seekers and are authorized to um, move about the dig site as you please. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you, and I shake his hand. Sure. He'll shake yours, and uh, he, um, he'll go to hand you the note, and he'll stop for a moment and says, Actually, um, you just arrived now. Uh, was that your friend? Uh, he'll gesture back to the door, the gith. Um, you mean... The, the Gith Yankee or the Gith Zarai? Gith Yankee. He'll, he'll, he'll say, he hasn't seen Ravnus. Uh, he'll oh, yeah. say, and he goes, no, the Gith Zarai. Oh, um, the Gith Zarai was a stowaway on board our transport. Uh, we happened to find them in the cargo hold after some, shall we say, strenuous uh, circumstances. We were able to agree to some terms and then, um... Once she got here to Storm's Storm's Eye, it was a parting of the ways. So I don't know much oh. about her, actually. I see. Yes, um, right before you got here, she stormed in, demanding access to the entire site. Um, I was more than willing to offer to compare notes, since um, the seal below seems gith in origin, and her insight might be useful, but uh, I wasn't about to give her unrestricted access, since I don't know her um she responded rather negatively to that and stormed off yes i i saw um oh well if if that down there is a gith then i do have a gith yankee friend named ravnus who might be beneficial and is much more shall we say agreeable than um Ezerath was. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time that's been said about Ravnus. <laughs> Ezerath just sets the bar so low that even Ravnus clears it. Yeah. <laughs> I think comparatively speaking, who do you want to deal with? I think Ravnus wins that that uh, prize. Um, yeah. Uh, Diego will say that could come in useful. I'm pretty sure the seal is Gith Zerai in origin, but perhaps uh-huh. perhaps she could still be of use. Well, I'll tell you what, if you see the Githzerai around, keep an eye on her for me. I don't expect she's going to give up that easy. Um, of course, actually, my two friends were already tailing her, so to speak, but, uh... Oh, <laughs> perfect. I have no problems potentially sharing the information that we find here, but I worry that her goals may 
be to impede the collection of the knowledge for the sake of the seekers. All right. Well, if that's the case, um, I will head out, try to do some translations for you. And if I see my friends or this gift Sarai, I'll be sure to make sure they're not doing anything. Uh, see, I mean, the gift Sarai, my, my friends certainly would never. They're good, virtuous people. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, Marco. Um, and I'll tell you what, as soon as we're done verifying that this medallion may be what we need, I will come fetch you in. Uh, you're more than welcome to bring your friends, and I will show you the chamber below. Fantastic. And then I, uh, once again, I shake his hand again, and I walk out the tent. Okay. Rabness and Luckbeak. The trustworthy friends. Mm-hmm. What'd you get on those stealth checks? I got a 19. A spicy 14. Ooh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of tail Ezerath at a distance, and she is kind of, well, she's kind of moving a little bit stealthy herself, but not, like, terribly so. She's focusing more on not drawing a lot of attention to herself than being outright unseen, so you can follow her pretty easily. She doesn't seem to notice you, and she is heading towards the dig site. Okay, we continue to tail her, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you get to the dig site itself, which is the large excavated area, and she will descend down into there. And you can see, as you kind of follow her, like the outlines of buildings and kind of simple like stone bases of the walls is really all that remains that are being excavated. And you can make out what were probably the little roads and alleys of this small Cretorian settlement. And there are archaeologists here or there kind of tapping away on various rocks, you know, clearing the various sites that they're working on, picking up and sifting dirt, looking for artifacts. Uh, and none of them are really paying a whole lot of mind to Ezerath as she moves her way through. And she is, you know, kind of working her way deeper through the dig site. And there is a spot towards the one edge that appears to be excavated into stairs that descend below the ground. And this part, though, does appear to be watched over. They're not like full armored guards. They just look like seekers, but they are some of the bigger, burlier seekers. And there are two of them that seem to be watching the entrance to this underground tunnel and Ezerath approaches, and you're not quite close enough to hear, but you see that they both kind of stand and stop her, and there is an exchange. She seems upset and starts shouting. Can we hear what she's shouting? Yeah, when she starts shouting, she's like, I must be permitted below to see it. The guys are like, you know, now, now, we, we can't do that unless you have permission from Diego Vasco. And she says, he is a fool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, um, it doesn't look like Ezerath is going to be violent, but she is very angry. Sure. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to turn to Ravnus and I'm going to say, uh, all right, you, can you think of any reason? Is there something here that she'd want or is she looking to purloin or is she, do you know? I mean, I don't, I don't mean to generalize. I mean, I don't think all, you know, all Gith know what other Gith want or need, but anything? I think the answer to that will be whatever's down those stairs. All right. Um, you think there's any way you can get her away make from... Make a distraction? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I can get down. You don't need to make a distraction. I mean, these rubes, come on. I handle people that were much smarter than them. I could tell just by looking at them. But, I mean, you need to get her out of here because, I mean... <laughs> Ain't no way I'm getting in there with her. I don't know. Invite her out for a drink or, or try and figure out, you know, do something. But 
I, that would make her more suspicious. Yeah, okay. All right. So what can we think? Is there a plan we can make here? I could make it obvious that I'm following her. She'd probably confront me and forget about you. No, that's good. I love that. Make that happen. All right. And uh, Ravenous is going to go sort of away from Luckbeak just enough so that, you know, he's not like super insight and uh, pretend to be like spying, but like clunk, clunk, clunk with her armor and maybe like knock something over for good measure. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're trying to pretend like you're being stealthy, She's... but actually be really obvious. Right? Not super obvious, but like Ravnus is is already like sort of wearing a lot of jangly stuff, and uh, well, she's not. She's bigger than Luckbeak, so it's probably a little bit harder for her to get around here. Um, so yeah, would that be like deception? Um, you can do deception or performance. I am equally bad at both of those, so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is a five. <laughs> you know, though, you're failing at what? At Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're failing at making it look like you weren't trying to get spotted. Okay. So she sees me, but it looks like I was trying to make her see me. Is yeah. It looks is... like you were kind of trying to get her attention on purpose. <laughs> yeah, Ravenous is sneaking around. Like, I hope she doesn't see me over here. Oh no, I have been spotted. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Ravenous, you kind of like inch your way around to just like kind of get into her peripheral vision while she's talking to these guys, and uh, she looks like she's getting ready to like say something else to him, and she sees you and looks and like does a double take and turns back to the guys and says. Fine, and we'll turn and walk away from them, walking directly at you, Ravnus. Um, Ravnus, I imagine, is sort of like half crouched over behind a fucking wall or something, so she's going to stand up straight and like cross her arms. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you following me? I could have asked you the same thing about why you got on our ship. Clearly I... you're suspicious. I don't know that I, you're not going to hurt anyone. I told you why. How do I know you are not reporting information back to Tunarath? You don't. That was a risk you took. She kind of looks around and says, and that was a risk that would have basically any other Gisari kill you on sight. You permitted me to travel with you, and then I've permitted you to stay alive. I think that if you tried anything to me, especially now, it would end very poorly for you. Perhaps. But if you take information back to our enemy and it gets my people killed, it will be on me. So maybe you shouldn't have gotten on a ship with a Githyanki. My mission mandated it, as I have explained before. Wait, so let me look at my notes real fast to what exactly she's been doing. She said that she's been sent to investigate this location because it, there's something important here from the Githzerai history that they don't know about because it's been stuck within Krat space that's been sealed off from the rest of Wild Space for thousands of years. Gotcha. Why do you care so much? As I said, it was demanded of me. 
that I come here and recover this information. We don't know what happened here, what our people were doing here. And it is my job to find that out. I, I will say that Ravnus is sort of like spinning her wheels a little bit on purpose here uh, to mm -hmm. give Luckbeak time to like sneak down. Okay. So, um, yeah, Luckbeak, as uh, you see, <laughs> you see this kind of comical display of like Ravnus pretending to sneak, but like pretending to accidentally be noticed, which is comical mm -hmm. and doesn't work, but achieves the same end result. Right. <laughs> Where Ezerath is just like, the fuck? Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> and, and immediately goes over to like, see what the hell Ravnus is doing, leaving these two guys open for you to approach. Okay. Uh, before I approach them, I pop behind some sort of cover, sure. uh, and uh, I activate um, my uh, shift weave tunic, uh, mm. and I am going to, uh, I've just pasted a, a picture, this doesn't help our listeners in the Discord for us, uh, but basically I have on a, a wide-brimmed oh hat with a strap Aww. below uh, my chin, <laughs> uh, and a cargo vest with many, many pockets on it. Um, uh, that... Uh, that fisherman's yes, cargo vest. Absolutely. Yeah, you get it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to approach uh, the folks there and I'm going to say uh, a good day, fellas. Uh, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Uh, anyway, uh, I'm here to just inspect uh, the dig site. Of course, there's the dig site inspector. Uh, and uh, if you just uh, step aside there, um, that would be just peachy. I feel so much better about my <laughs> shitty Australian accent. <laughs> they say, um, we uh, we didn't hear anything about an inspector coming through. Well, it's because um, it's no an one's... emergency inspection, son. You don't expect that all the inspectors just sort of, you know, announce themselves. This is for safety precautions. Step aside. Uh, no one's supposed to go down there without Diego. But Diego gave me... If Diego's down there, he can figure out, you know, what's wrong and, and fix it on the on the fly. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to be no, inspecting the walls. I'm supposed to be inspecting the tunnels. You don't understand. Uh, what we found down there may be arcane in uh -huh. nature. We don't know what it does. Arcane and dangerous. Am I right? Potentially. Yep, and that's why I'm here. I'm here to <laughs> mitigate danger, son. Make a deception check with advantage. Okay. Uh, you just came to me. I could show the fucking stuff. I know. <laughs> Well, I, got I have a free pass. <laughs> I got a 27. They kind of look at each other and said, uh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> did Diego legit. give you, did Diego give you a, yes, yes, yes. I just wave them aside as I walk. In. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on. They like kind of look at each other and like like they both like know they probably still shouldn't let you in, but at the same time they're, they're like worried about care. like yeah, yeah they're like they're like worried about like fifteen if they're hour. wrong, <laughs> then they could get in trouble. Sure, uh, but yeah, they 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 let you go. Great, uh, I wander on down here and. Uh... And see what what there is to see. Okay. Um, Listen, everyone knows that Steve Irwin just has <laughs> Inspector Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Mingus Grangle. I never got to give my name. <laughs> oh my god! They didn't ask it. No, of course not. <laughs> They're really Probably bad for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what enclave of the Seekers are you? From? Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> We're the contractors. <laughs> 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 they call us the lookers. 
But uh, yeah, these tunnels seem fresh, like they were dug as part of the archaeological dig. Mm -hmm. And they extend down probably maybe 30, 40 feet and break into what looks like more natural caverns that kind of twist and wind uh, deeper down. Okay. Um, I sort of look for any sort of unnatural glowing or like, is there anything that could indicate what way seems to be more traversed than another? Uh, maybe even tracking, like looking for footprints and like seeing which. Yeah, you can make a um, either an investigation check or a survival check, whichever you prefer. Yeah. Survival would be more focusing on like tracks. Yeah, let's do investigation. investigation would be like more kind of looking for like little like other signs sure. of like arcane spookiness. Gotcha. That's a 16. Which one? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, investigation. Okay. Yeah. There isn't like anything that looks super, super unnatural, mm -hmm. but you do see that like one way looks like it has more like sconces that are still lit. Great. They're not like metal sconces. They're just like little wooden like torch holders that have been placed here by the archaeologist to light the path. Okay. Sounds good. I'll head that way. Sure. So you follow that path down and it does kind of descend. The temperature gets colder um, as you go, just as you descend further underground. And there are other paths that go um that branch off of this one uh but you eventually make your way a good way down like you've been descending like through this for probably like 15 minutes and you arrive at a large circular natural cavern and in the floor is a raised circular like dais with kind of tapered sides and the dais itself is metallic and has these interesting carvings all over it and it looks adamantine very very hard high quality metal but it looks old hmm okay and it's probably like eight feet in diameter can i sort of uh i guess this is an arcana check right uh i just want to kind of like figure out if i if there, are there any symbols on it are there any like can i tell anything about what it does or is you do recognize the symbols on it as gith in nature mm, okay um, I don't know if you've seen Marco's medallion. I don't, I don't probably not think that I have. I don't recall showing it to him. Yeah. But you have seen like the drift globe that had like the Gith Yankee script on right. it. And you've seen other, like you've seen the stuff in the Gith Yankee fortress. Mm -hmm. And it, this is different than that. Mm -hmm. The characters look similar, but they're not the same. Sure. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to pocket this. Wait pocket what oh wait this is not a this is too big it's a big uh, it's like it a big small, dais my bad okay got it eight feet in diameter yeah i take the wall nick <laughs> did saker stutter yeah it's just like fucking animal crossing rules yeah yeah yeah. Just one item. yeah 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 um okay he bugs bunny it into your pocket Hell yeah why not <laughs> uh, okay uh then i am going to um I'm going to at least take a second here to uh, to sit down and copy the symbols that I see into some book as best as I can. Um, okay. And then uh, and then I'll make my. It, it, it is engraved. You could oh, maybe yeah. etch I'll it. I'll do some etchings. Sure, that works. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So I, I do want you to make a wisdom saving throw. Ooh, okay. That's probably fine. Oh, natural twenty. Natural twenty. Ooh. Um, now you're fine. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Nothing happens. No brain tickling? It, everything's, everything's fine. Great, love it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not playing with madness rules? It's really comfortable uh, in okay, here. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, okay, sounds good. Uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll make my way out. 
Okay. Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master, and you know what? We've officially been doing this for a year now. You know the drill. That's right, as we said at the top of the episode, we are celebrating one whole year since we launched this podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who has been listening to our goofy spacefaring adventure. It has been and continues to be a wild ride. I cannot stress this enough when I say we would not still be here doing this if it wasn't for your continued support and enthusiasm in our story. Thank you so much. To celebrate, we will be doing a Twitter giveaway. Look for a tweet from at VoidfarerPod and follow the instructions to enter, and you will have a chance to win one of three special prizes. Firstly, we'll be giving away one of our Voidfarer t-shirts from the Project Derailed Redbubble shop, which you can check out at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Secondly, we'll be giving away a copy of the new D&D adventure, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. And lastly a very special prize of a set of three limited edition soy wax scented candles inspired by Luckbeak, Marco, and Ravness from our friends at Plot Kindling Candles. These special Voidfarer candles are so exclusive you can't even buy them on their Etsy store. Check out their gaming-inspired candles at etsy.com slash shop slash plot kindling candles. They can even create custom candles inspired by your D&D character. As always, be sure to follow us on our social medias at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. And again, be sure to leave us a rating and review if you haven't already. That is the easiest way for you to support our show by helping other illustrious nerds like yourself find us. As always, special thanks to Tom Goldthwait for writing our theme song and other original music. And shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock and roll version of that theme song we are using this chapter. Check out their EP, Live My Life, available now everywhere. Our second season of Fables Around the Table, Tainted Love, has now concluded, but that means a new season is coming your way just in time for spooky season. We are mixing things up this time by bringing you four one-shot adventures featuring four different tabletop role-playing games. I'll be one of the players this season, along with Fiona, and I'll also be GMing one of the episodes. And I cannot wait to reveal what horrors I have in store for you all. Stick around to the end of the episode for a trailer. Big Streaming Pile is back. Fiona and Tom's movie podcast where they discuss the best bad movies available on Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, and other streaming services. I was recently a guest where I got to flex my dinosaur kid muscles while discussing Disney's dinosaur with Fiona. You can listen to that episode now wherever you get podcasts. Lastly, today's episode is presented in part by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back, and part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. Phew, it feels like these breaks are getting longer and longer. Let's put a bow on this thing, shall we? The next episode of Tales of the Void Fair will land on Tuesday, October 20th. 
Enjoy the rest of the show. Rabness, <laughs> you're having this conversation and you're like stalling for time and you watch Luckbeak duck out of the way and come back out with this ridiculous <laughs> costume on <laughs> and talk briefly with the guards and go down in. Uh, Ezerath does not notice that happen. Her attention is on you. However, um, <laughs> Luckbeak's not going to emerge for another 15 minutes. Okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's fun. up to you to decide what you do. But uh, <laughs> actually, no, it's going to be like 30 minutes. It was like 15 minutes to get to where he got. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ezerath is going to say, actually, you know what? Make an insight check for me. Ooh, pidoki. Ooh, that looks good. What's my modifier? Um, Nothing. 18. <laughs> okay. That's still <laughs> okay. pretty solid. Yeah. Um. When you asked her about, like, like she had said that it was her mission, they told her to come here. This is like the second or third time she said that. You're starting to get the impression that may not be entirely true. Like, why she is here? Like, she's not, not wavered on that at all. That seems to be true. But the fact that she was specifically told to come here, um, the way she's, like, said it now the, for the third time, kind of wavering in her confidence in it uh you almost wonder that that's maybe not the case hmm um ravness will narrow her eyes i think and like cock her head and be like what aren't you saying about this mission she looks slightly taken aback and she says i don't i don't owe you any further explanation the explanation you've gotten thus far has been nothing more than courtesy well you did hitch a ride off of us. So I think that we're owed something. I've said there are other Githari that would have not risked you reporting information back to the other Githyanki. You're lucky I am not one of them. And you're lucky I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm rubber and you're glue. <laughs> <laughs> she says, this conversation is getting nowhere. Stop following me. And she's going to turn on her heel. And she's not even going to go back to the other guys. She's going to walk away back, uh, like, towards the exit of the um, dig site. Ravness is going to call out to her with her very low charisma check <laughs> for persuasion. <laughs> and okay. this is not going to work. But um, she is going to say... Um, Maybe there are some ways that we can help one another. And that is a three total. Aw. She's going to stop and like look over her shoulder at you. And she seems to think about that for like half a second. And then she goes, I don't need your help. And she turns and keeps walking. Well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, does feel like the start of a ship, though. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I I kind of love it. Same. I was over here like, this is feeling very shippy to me. Rav Rath. Rav Rath. Rav Rath. I hate it. Um, God, it sounds like, a, like an 80s rap song. Rav Rath. Yeah. Uh, I think short of attacking Ravenous doesn't 
have uh, much to do now uh, in regards to Ezerath. So um, she sees that Luckbeak got down there. He's not emerged yet. It's only been like five minutes. <laughs> right. She's like, well, I did my job. Um, He's probably dead. <laughs> yeah. He probably died. Oh, shucks. Get in the car and leave. <laughs> yeah. Go get Marco. Come on. We're out of here. <laughs> I don't think that she's totally convinced that Luckbeak will not run into some sort of trouble oh, down there. Um <laughs> What is she going to do? I think she's actually going to go back to Marco. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you head back to Diego's tent, and not a whole lot of time has passed. It's like, you know, by the time Marco finishes that conversation with Diego, is about when you get back. doesn't take a lot of time to walk through this settlement. It's not very big. So, yeah, you're walking back to the tent, and you see Marco emerging. Uh, she oh. points back to the thing. What's down there? Oh, that's the uh, that's the dig site. He was just talking about that, and has something to do with the guest Zerai and uh, uh, some either. Why is there anything dangerous down there? From the way he was talking, there could be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. What? Where's Luckbeak? <laughs> um. She sort of looks <laughs> in the direction of the dig site. Are you? Jesus. And uh, Marco's going to be like, let's go make sure he didn't get himself killed. That's probably a good idea. So Marco's going to walk up to the two guards that uh, Luckbeak swindled. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, there's Hel an inspection going on. You can't go in. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they said. <laughs> Hello. Um, and uh, I, you can't you can't let anybody go down here. There's an in currently uh, it's under inspection. <laughs> I have a note here from Diego Vasco. I'm part of the Seekers. Oh, Diego's handing out notes left and right today. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And walk past. <laughs> you see the same thing that, that Luckbeak saw. Uh, you descend probably about 30, 40 feet. Um, it's uh, recently excavated. It looks like it was excavated magically. Marco, you neatly... No. Yeah. Just by like, you know, the perfectly square 90 degree edges of the walkway and the perfectly, you know, constructed steps cut out of the dirt itself. And it eventually goes into natural caverns. And you can see that there is one path that seems to be more lit than others <laughs> um, with these sconces. I'm walking down like Luckbeak. Luckbeak, are you down here? And Luckbeak, it's about the time you start heading sure. back that you hear your voice. Okay. Your, 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 your voice? Weird. Uh, you hear... He's just calling his own name. You hear Marco's Shit, voice I did not calling pass your that name. wisdom check. I am insane now. Natural 20 didn't no. do it? Fuck. This is not Call of Cthulhu, man. <laughs> this is like the hamster thing times two. <laughs> it's two mecha Whoa. hamsters. <laughs> Uh, okay, right. uh, I start coming out, uh, and I say, uh, hey, what the hell are you guys doing down here? I could ask you the same question. Well, I'm you, you guys see Luckbeak wearing this ridiculous outfit. <laughs> hey, now, you keep Where describing this outfit as ridiculous. I think it's cool as fuck, oh. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nobody I, has looked cool as fuck in a fisherman's vest <laughs> all right. ever in the history of Listen, ever. some of my Animal Crossing villagers would like to have a word yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Luckbeak, um, before we answer that question, um, are you going fishing? No, what? No, this is what people wear on like safari, right? <laughs> I wouldn't know. Oh, wait, isn't like a dig um, like a safari? Maybe I just kind of misunderstand digs in general. Uh, close enough. Okay. Marco said that there could be something dangerous down here, so we thought we should rescue you. No. Yes, Marco did say that. Why are you down here? I was here. I mean, I, I thought we were like doing the whole mystery team sort of thing. Like trying to get to the bottom of what was down here. Wait, how you guys That's... you guys also swindle the guards or apparently you can just walk down here. Oh shit. Well I wish I show him the note. I was like, I have a note from Diego seeing as I'm a member of the Seekers. Oh. If you would if you... Yeah, that makes Did sense. You... <laughs> if you would just come to me, Luckbeak, we would have been able to waltz down here. Well, we waltz down here anyway, so I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I do see your point. Um well there's there ain't nothing down here uh ravenous i was gonna kind of show you these uh scratchings i made but just come back anyway you can just take a look at them mm, might as well and i lead them back to the uh to the the thing sure you go back there uh on the way ravenous uh will also say i think azurath is hiding something what makes you say that the way she talked about why she was here it seemed like there was something more huh she seemed to want to get something that was here from what I'm the conversation that she had with Diego was apparently Diego trying to simply say that she would have to work within the confines of the archaeological site and her just not being amenable not only heard one side of that but it sounds like uh she was certainly much more aggressive interesting I think it's more than just her people told her to well whatever's down here it looks like some sort of gift something or another so I mean, maybe you can make sense of it and, and tell me if there's a reason she would want it. I can try. Okay. If I may, um, I'm sorry I'm more ignorant to this. What is the, the fundamental difference between the Githzerai and the Githyanki in terms of, like, are, is your language different? Because uh, whenever I was talking to Diego, it seemed very quickly that uh, there was a very fundamental difference. I thought it was just culture. It's like two different dialects of the same language. Ravenous, you would know. Yeah, she's like, it's close, but it's not exactly the same. There are some differences with things. Oh, uh, okay. Well, makes sense. All right, then thank you. But either we're moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and we're there. <laughs> oh, I don't <Yep>. know. <laughs> Fast travel. Yeah. Ravenous and Marco, you see this larger natural cavern, um, roughly circular in shape, and you see a precisely circular unnatural feature on the ground in the middle of it it's this raised metallic dais with tapered edges looks adamantine it's it's very strong high quality metal but it has years of tarnish and like dirt and dust on it and many 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 like little engravings it's not all gets the right writing some of it is but a lot of it is like uh like little like grooves and etchings that crisscross and intersect in various ways and kind of spiral into a central point that looks like a small basin like recession okay what does it look like it says 
So, uh, Ravnus, you look at it. Um, it's a little hard to decipher because it's it's not Githyanki. It is Githzerai. But you can't piece enough together to know that it doesn't say anything. It looks like almost like a arcane inscription where it's more symbols and uh, glyphs than actual script and writing. It's similar to things that you've seen, like because Githyanki have their own types of things like this the drift globe you saw was like this sort of thing where it's more you know arcane glyphs than writing and you saw stuff like this at the githyanki fortress but this is definitely like a githzerai version of that sort of thing it's some sort of like arcane etchings yeah um can i make an arcana check sure to see if i can understand more yeah all right don't fuck it up <laughs> Uh, that is pretty decent. Uh, 21. 21. Yeah, uh, you're not, you're not, you're definitely not of the magical persuasion in terms of, like, actual, like, arcana knowledge, but you are, um, familiar enough with some of the magic that the Githyanki can do and have heard some stories about what Githzerai can do, and you're not entirely sure, um what this does but you are pretty sure it might be linked to the same kind of magic that the githzerai use specifically like um githzerai like defensive kind of tactics like they'll enchant like their fortresses and stuff with specific enchantments to protect them um yeah she like looks over it and uh she's like i can see why she wants this it's not like script it's glyphs and arcane magic about their defenses well um may i make any checks myself just to add anything to that or um i mean you you could if you'd like and ravenous is not touching this (laughs) (laughs) to be clear that is a 25 yeah like you don't you don't understand what the glyphs are because they're in in a different language they're based out of a different language entirely however the the way the like ley lines in the dais itself are laid out it reminds you of some like abjuration type glyphs um enough for you to make the educated guess that it's some sort of abjuration magic okay so well what do we do with the information we have it's an abjuration magic and from what ravenous added with that as well does it just wants it? I guess. Uh, I mean, mm. I don't know. I mean, I mean, whatever the case may be. I mean, it doesn't look like she's getting in here, so I guess we're okay. Oh, fair enough. I mean, you're the what? seeker here, Marco. I mean, do we need to tell Diego and tell him to beef up security, or? This is certainly something to tell Diego. Yes. Um, do you think? Do you think she can cause a lot of damage with this? I don't know. I think that we should find out more about her. Uh, I think it's why a wise decision for us to at least go back to Diego and Ravnus. You can share what you've learned, and you know we can at least put him on notice that she might have some ill will. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we head back there. All right, Marco. At that point, something interesting happens. Okay. You feel a weird, like tapping, like a wood tapping sound coming from somewhere near you and after a moment you realize it's coming from your wooden box oh shit uh huh? this wooden what it, the wooden box that marco carries 
Oh, I didn't know he had that. That yeah. has Cretorian etchings oh. all over it. Today uh, I learned. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's in the artwork. Yeah, I was going to say, it's one of the more prominent things on Marco's body. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at how beautiful Ravnus was <laughs> in fair. the artwork. Fair. Yeah, it's a, it's an old, ancient-looking wooden box that he has like slung uh, like a messenger oh, bag bizarre. over his shoulder with rope. Oh, okay. So, I think I do know what that is. I pull it out. Does it sound like something's trying to get out of it? It sounds like something is tapping. Um, it doesn't sound like alive. It sounds like something is like vibrating and rattling around in the box. Um, hmm. At the very least, Luckpeak is like staring at him like eyes wide, and he's like, "Marco, you're a, your little, your thing is going off." <laughs> is that the hamster? Uh, no, Tashi's in my. Uh, and I pull Tashi out from like my. Uh, yeah, he's pocket. in your like front pocket. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna open up the box, and I'm assuming, am I, is this the pewter, uh, psionic object that's tapping? Yeah, it, it's the small metallic cube that you had from way back in episode one oh my God. of Tales of the Void Fair. Um, now, it, it vibrates in the presence of psionics, which it has been doing constantly in the presence of Ravnus and Luckbeak. So you had wrapped it in cloth and put it in your box. You see that cloth is now, like, in tatters? <laughs> Um, it doesn't look like it's fresh tatters, uh, and the cube itself now is vibrating and bouncing off of the wood, having seemingly finally dislodged itself from the wrapping you wrapped it in. Um, I'm going to take it out then, <laughs> trying to like control it in my hand. Yeah, you can. It's just vibrating them more than it ever has. Fair. Um... Okay, so with that being said, where am I going with this? Like, I, I'm going to make an investigation check with it and see what, sure. like... Yeah, you're going to see if it gets stronger in any direction. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. That is a 15. Um, There is no discernible difference in any of the directions you move the cube. Hmm. So I'm going to place the cube on the ground. Yep. It, it kind of, like, jitters on the ground like one of those like vibrating bouncy toys from the 90s <laughs> like yeah <laughs> okay just to see uh if it was like suddenly get yoinked in one direction or not so i pick it back up no um huh well this thing it goes off in the presence of psionics and hence why i was able to get connected with you two um but it's never reacted this strongly all right so this thing is made of psionics i mean this is what what could it be like some sort of amplification system like some sort of uh, i don't know i don't even know if i know what an antenna is but i'm gonna presume i do <laughs> um i mean ravenous i mean gith have some sort of in internal uh uh, uh just psionic stuff don't they i mean she can do the same thing you can do with with your psionic attacks yes so I mean, I don't want to automatically assume that something is up to no good here. Maybe she's going to use it to call, I don't know, her, I don't know. Phone home. Her ilfid home. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But we should definitely talk to her, I think. You're right. Let's should let's go we, to Diego and warn him first. And then, I mean. Should we do that? Should we tell Diego? Yeah, I don't see any reason I, not to, right? I think it's a good idea to warn him. I mean. She might not have any ill will, but she certainly is going to want to get to this thing. And I don't know what she's willing to do and not to do to get here. Well, it is hers more than anyone's, I suppose. Sorry? 
How's it hers? She's gets her eye. Oh. Well, yeah, but, I mean, Diego found it. <laughs> oh, boy, it feels bad playing a colonialist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Do we trust Diego? I don't know. He's a He's seeker. a member of the Seekers. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't trust him. He's not going to murder anybody. Uh, all right. Well, this is kind of a difficult... I mean, listen... I, I kind of look as like, listen, he's more of a nerd than a fighter. If anything, he's going to get someone else to do it. Regardless, I think that it's at least worth mentioning to him. And then he can at least work out what to do with it. This is his dig site. And he was already said before that he was more than welcome to share anything with her uh, right. from the outset. Well, Ravnus, are you okay with that? I trust Marco if Marco thinks it's the right thing to do. I do not think Diego would have any ill will, and even whenever Diego talked to uh, Elzarath before, he was trying to be cooperative. She was the one that was very standoffish. Well, then we're all in agreement. It's all okay. Uh, Diego, uh, Marco, why don't, I don't know, you don't want to go talk to Diego again, and, and we'll try to hunt her down? All right. Uh, I'm fine with that. Okay. If I need anything, I'll promise I'll come find you this time. <laughs> I, I show him a piece of paper I have a free ring card here from Diego it's fine you can get anywhere you need to be just let me know can I just have that I, I, unfortunately I need it too <laughs> alright that makes sense couldn't hurt to ask alright cool <laughs> so you guys emerge and when uh when you emerge back out uh the the two the two guys standing there go uh was did we pass uh i got some sheets to fill out um but i think it's looking pretty oh i've slipped into some liverpution accent hold on <laughs> uh, 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 uh oh no it sounds perfect to me fruit baits fruit baits <laughs> Uh, I've got some sheets to fill out, but it's looking pretty good. Whoops! And then I just leave as quick as I can because I can't find my accent again. <laughs> looks, looks good. Looks good. Very good. Love the sight. I love the sight. Suddenly, site. a member of the Beatles is the inspector. <laughs> now I have master of intrigue, so Luckbeak did not yeah. do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Luckbeak, yeah. Luckbeak nailed it. <laughs> He's been listening to the Leadfoots the entire ride here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Marco, you're going back to Diego, and yeah. Luckbeak and Ravnus are trying to track down Ezra. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay. Um, so, let's follow Marco. Okay. You go back to that tent. You find Diego where he was. Hi, Diego. Yes, Marco. I wasn't expecting to see you back so soon. Yes. Um, well, forgive me. I actually ended up, uh, as soon as I walked out the tent, kind of got uh, pulled in a direction. And it seems that uh, my colleagues have been following the Gesserai, uh, Ezerath, and there is some concern that she might want something to do with that dais down um, in your pits. Uh, my Githyanki friend was able to at least look at the dais and see that it had, uh, that it spoke much more to, like, Gesserai defenses and... Uh, she might want to get her hands on that, and I'm slightly concerned that she might have some... She might not have... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know what level of motivation she has to get to it. 
I'm worried that she might hurt somebody. And that's all I wanted to share is that she might actually uh, do harm to somebody if she doesn't get her way. All right. That is very good to know. Um, hmm. Yes. Uh, we, we had determined that the, the dais below um, uh, definitely resonated abjuration magic of some sort. Um, I guess I picked that up myself. Um, we presumed uh, it's the it's Githzerai origins. Um, perhaps it's a vault of some sort. Um, and perhaps great knowledge is sealed away within. That's been my working theory, at least. So she might want something from that vault. And I mean, my my friend Ravnus did make the pretty good statement that she does kind of have a claim to it as a Githzerai. But I not um, I have no issue sharing what we find. I'm concerned with her taking it without the seekers being able to catalog it for the advancement of our own knowledge. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I was more than willing to work with her. It's just she was unwilling to cooperate to the way we are operating here as seekers. Oh. Oh, not not at all um, questioning anything that you were doing here. Just saying, um, you know, sharing also concerns as well. And I also shared that with my friends as well, that she was very much belligerent whenever she came through the tent. Yes, um, she was very, um, very insistent. So either way, she might be problematic for you all. Do you have any other security besides um, those two fine, fine soldiers that were standing guard <laughs> that would not be tricked at all? <laughs> oh, the, they're not soldiers. They're they're just seekers. They're just some of our more brawny ones, uh, and they far more uh, <laughs> they're far more useful um, there than uh, you know doing any of the more precise digging. Plus, they don't complain having to stand around all day. No, we don't have any sort of proper um, defense or protection. We could conscript some of the dwarves from the mine to do that, though. He says, kind of thinking, stroking the stubble on his chin. That might be a good idea. How in the God's name did they be? Uh, yes, maybe the um, the dwarves would probably be a better security force than those two fine, fine scholars. <laughs> uh, yeah, the some of the dwarves have offered to help the dig as well, but they're not very precise either. They they have mining background, not archaeology. Uh, the, Similar things on the surface, uh, not similar in the minutia of it. Oh, um, sorry. On a side note, uh, while we were talking about this, and I kind of pull out the the cube and said, I have this uh, pewter cube. It tends to go off in the presence of psionics. While I was down there, this thing was going wild. Um, hmm. Have you looked into any like psionic abilities or psionic um, um, potential within that area? He... Looks at it inquisitively and says, we haven't, I'm not really a expert in psionics myself, but I would imagine that makes sense, you know, being that the Githyanki and Githzerai are very adept at psionics. Um, it would stand to reason that whatever purpose this seal or door or whatever it is below utilizes psionics in some way in its arcane function. Oh, fair enough. Um... I think that's everything, so I think for the time being, I'm going to at least try to now at least collect my friends and then try to do those translations I was talking about before we have to take off again. Perfect. So, um... Let me know if you need anything else. 
I appreciate Diego, and thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. And I walk out the tent again. Okay. Uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not see where Ezerath went, um, so you can make an investigation check to see if you can track her down. Yeah. Sounds good. Should we do this group check? Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, I mean, if someone wants to take the lead, um, they can roll with advantage. Why don't you? Why don't because you the other right? is helping. You're probably doing more than I am. Okay. That's investigation. Yeah. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Um, you kind of uh, meander your way through the the basically tent city that is this dig site. You go past a tent that has what looks like um, old weapons strewn about it with little like tags and uh, like numbers and descriptions on them and other little interesting items that kind of catch your eye as you walk by you see a female hadozi with like bright orange fur kind of sitting there picking them up examining them with little magnifying eyepiece and making some notes and affixing tags to the various items as you pass and not far from there you see that Ezerath has kind of crouched down kind of around the corner of uh, a nearby tent um, and she seems to be examining the ground uh just the ground yeah she has like set down her pack and she's like kind of on one knee feeling the ground uh and if you recall the ground has these big concentric uh lines like it's the the whole circular clearing in the storm is one geoglyph with these intersecting lines and interesting geometric shapes and she seems to be examining that on the ground okay that's pretty suspicious. Yeah, I, I look at you and kind of like shrug and narrow my eyes. Like, what is she doing? Uh, Ravnus is going to go over to see <laughs> what she is doing. Uh, as you approach, she hears your footsteps and she looks up at you and she, she kind of looks down and like shakes her head. What did I tell you about following me? Not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just that dry response got me. I don't know why. <laughs> Yet here you are. Here I am. Why? What now? <laughs> Something that you said before. You weren't telling us the whole story. And we need to know why. Luckbeak is just vehemently nodding along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she looks confused and goes... What about it? What about what I was saying before? There's more reasons for why you're here. It's not just because you were sent here. <laughs> she she says, and I said before, I don't owe you any further explanation. You I, don't. I cross my arms and look at Ravnus like she did something wrong now. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> treating Lucky this like a ping pong flip match. inside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ravnus says, you don't, but we can also help you. So you hitched a ride with us before. Why stop now? Seems like your journey is not over. As I said before, I don't need your help. Seemed like you were having trouble getting down there before. So it seems like you need somebody's help. (sighs) And how is it do you expect to help me? I, mean, I think that if you tell us what sort of help that you need, 
we can maybe offer some things and you can maybe offer some things. I mean, literally all three of us got down there, no problem. You, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, it was no big deal. There was a big, like, stone thing down there and some words on it. What What did it say? <laughs> she looks She looked very uh, focused on Luckbeak now. I, like, open up my notebook and pretend to scan it real quick. Like, hmm, uh, just, just some, you wouldn't be interested in it, I don't think. Fine. If you were to help me, what what is it that you would expect in return? We want to know why you're here, what your motivations are. We can't promise you the world with it, but you could at least maybe see what's down there. She thinks about that for a moment, and um, she'll say, Well, what I told you was true. I'm here to discover what my ancestors, the ancient Githzerai, were doing here. And it is important to my people to discover what the Githzerai were doing here in Crotspace. It is a huge blank spot on our records, which are very important to us. But I was not specifically sent here, per se, what brought you here, then? Exactly what I said. Discovering what happened here. But it was on my own. But if what I can find here, if I can recover it, find out what my people were doing here, and bring it back to them... It would prove it, something. She nods. Uh, Ravnus looks at Luckbeak. I mean... I don't mind. She helped us before with that Triceratops skeleton thing. <laughs> um, Ravnus looks back at her. I have another question. What is it? Is there any pirate of Gith activity in the area? Hmm. She wasn't expecting that question. She kind of like cocks her head surprised. And she says, um, I'm not sure what that has to do with anything, but... The last me or my people have heard, um, they they haven't made their way to Krat space yet. They're still primarily active in realm space um, and Kryn space. It's said that some have managed to breach the Asmundi cluster, but they have learned of Krat space. Word is getting out. I would imagine it's only a matter of time. Why do you ask? Curiosity, I suppose. I want to know who else of the Gith are out there. She kind of narrows her eyes at you a little bit, but doesn't press the issue. Um, are you going to use this to hurt anyone? And Ravnus will insight check the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Roll an insight check. She says, no, my intention is to learn what my people were doing here and to take that information back to my people. Um, that sucks. <laughs> that, that's a three. <laughs> Damn. Uh, she's hard to read. She has been unwavering in this response of to what her intentions are, which makes you inclined to believe it, but you can't but, read it one way or yeah. the other. And she'll add, and it's none of the seekers business, kind of like glaring in the direction of Diego's tent. Um... Ravnus looks back towards Diego's tent and she's like, 
I don't think I entirely disagree, but there are good people here. And I wish them no harm. I wish to get the information I require, and I will leave them here to do whatever else they wish to do. But you don't want to work with them? No. Uh... They do not deserve it. Ravnus will uh, do a hand through her hair, unless Luckbeak <laughs> stops her for some no, reason for and uh, hands her the thread of uh, what she saw in the oh. stuff with the dais. Hmm. Interesting. Um, she seems to recognize what you're doing. Um, it. She looks confused at first. It probably takes a slightly different form, but the end result is the same. And she takes the the strand and she looks at it for a second and says, is this what you saw below? Yes. I, I can't read it now, but I can with some time. But thank you. Is there anything else you're seeking here? No. I've pieced together some things already, but whatever you saw down there will help. But depending on what it is, it may lead to more. I won't know until I see it. Well, then you know if a deal needs to be made or not, I suppose. I guess so. And she looks at Luckbeak to see if Luckbeak's going to do anything. <laughs> I, I'm just like still looking back and forth from the two of you. Like, <laughs> There is a lot of tension in the yeah. air. Luckbeak, there is a lot of not, sexual tension. You're not tension quite sure what form of tension it takes. Sure. <laughs> Ooh. This is going to be like the coot thing all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> um, First Thursday. trap gets awry. Yeah. It's not going so you away. Joked, you joked about that earlier. Now I'm like, oh, but I do ship it, though. It's oh, so cute. <laughs> if you joke about it long enough, it becomes canon. Yeah. It stops That's being ironic. That's the risk you take. <laughs> you see, yeah, coot's not going away. This is just becoming a, like a polytriad. <laughs> Ooh. I like it. Um, Ravnus, Ezerath, <laughs> and Coot just mm. perfect. The whole Void Fair is just Polly. <laughs> Aw, I love turtle it. soup, man. Oh, did you just say turtle soup, Tanner? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. turtle soup Christ. is a little cursed. <laughs> I will turn this podcast around. <laughs> that is a good ship name for everyone executes. Yeah, that's everyone executes yeah. turtle soup. Hey. <laughs> that what, is a great ship that's name. That's why he's the captain. We are. We are fully off yep, the rails we are. now. All right. Yep. All right. Sorry. End of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's your button. We could. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. We make the rules. Yeah. That could be the end of the episode. All right. I don't think we can go up from turtle soup. I really don't. No, I think it's that. that that's yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. We'll pick oh, back no. up at, at Storm's Eye next time. All right. <laughs> As each day shrinks shorter and the nights grow colder, our souls prepare to darken along with the night sky. Four storytellers gather round the campfire. 
each has a tale to tell. The counselors at Camp Marigold are trying to move on from the terrors of the previous summer. Will they escape from the clutches of the Lindworm? Three friends investigate a small town after their vehicle breaks down on their road trip. Will they survive its horrifying secret or succumb to devastation? A tale of mystical felines who watch over the children of the neighborhood. Will they be able to save them on All Hallows' Eve? When nightmares become indistinguishable from reality, where do the real horrors lie? Fables around the table. Firelight premieres October 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. ProjectDerailed.com